Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are Crisis Point for the W Series, the cost cap news finally arrives, kind of, Gasly and De Vries make their moves 2023, more moves in Formula E, and a horror moment in Suzuka brings the FIA's approach to safety into full focus once again. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Tom and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm James, back on news duties after my brief spell in Ollie's chair for the Race Review podcast. Abby was there to help me through it, so thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. You did a very good job. I mean, you're a natural host at the news show, but you were also a natural host at the Race Review, so it was very enjoyable to be on that podcast with you. I mean, you're far too kind. I don't know what to do with all those compliments, so I'll just move on (laughs) uh, to to Catherine. Catherine, how's it going? Not bad, thank you. I'm doing pretty well. And Ferrari weren't a disaster besides foreign science at Suzuka, so we'll take that. Yeah, you have to take what you can as a Ferrari fan this year, yeah. Uh, and finally, we have the newly nicknamed Preacher Man, James Phillips, who will be back with at least one trademark rant today, I'd imagine. Are you revved up and ready to go? 
I really half don't like the fact I have this reputation now as the preacher man. Oh, God. I mean, that, that comes from Ollie. I, I can't do anything about that. I'm not being held responsible for that nickname. Uh, it's fine. No, yeah, I'm, I'm quite good as well. From a McLaren perspective, they had a decent-ish race. So, you know, putting plenty of my colours to the, to the pole. Uh, they had a fairly decent Grand Prix, came away with the point, which didn't look like they were going to get anything at any point. So, all right. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, but yeah, let's crack on. And our first three today could certainly set James off on a rant, but I'll hand over to Abby to set the scene. Yeah, so obviously it was Suzuka and it was just F1 this weekend, but it was originally supposed to be W Series. But they had to change their sixth round of the championship to Singapore. And in that race, Jamie Chadwick crashed, which didn't change her lead in the championship. She still had it. But now, unfortunately, as not just a fan of motorsport, but as a woman involved in the motorsport industry as well, this particular news is very disheartening and heartbreaking because W Series have had to cancel the remainder of their 2022 season. They had three races left across two rounds in Austin and Mexico. And 2022 was supposed to be their biggest season yet. Ten races they were supposed to have. But now they've only had seven. And Catherine Bonmure, the CEO, said, we've had offers from a number of people, but the problem is getting money in doesn't happen at the shake of a money tree. And people have got to go through due diligence. Now, Obviously, W Series isn't as big as Formula One, but the fact that they've had to cancel their 2022 season, only their third season of being a proper championship due to not having the funding because investors have dropped out and that is really sad to see because why isn't it getting the funding that it deserves? It's awful. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I We're trying to promote women into motorsport. We're trying to get women more actively involved in motorsport, watching it, participating, aerodynamicists uh, behind the scenes as well as drivers. And now the, the principal series, which we which motorsport had to fight so hard to get right and get it set up, we now said, oh, we don't really want to fund it anymore. Sorry, guys. It's a huge kick in the teeth. And it just shows, in my view, where priorities in Formula One are, which is, or where motorsport is, is to keep it at, 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 the, at this elitist level that only a few people can dare to aspire to achieve. And we have these fantastic women drivers. Jamie Chadwick, obviously, is the world champion, and she's more than deserving. But the rest of the group was fantastic that you know this year. We've got people like Abby Eaton, who's the extra, the ex-stunt driver from the Grand Tour in there, and she was fantastic as well. Jess Hawkins, uh, also with Aston Martin. These these women deserve the chance to progress in motorsports, but because investors have decided they've either got itchy feet or they've got cold feet or whatever reason, and we don't seem to have anyone interested in to back up back it up anymore, the series is now a real risk of not happening next year at all. For me, like it's literally completely devastating. It's just the news couldn't break at a better time than it did now because it just shows you what motorsport is in because to see teams in Formula 1 having the funds to overspend but then you cannot even host the last few races of the W Series and I would like to go back to when Stefano Domenicali was saying firstly how he was saying how a meteor needs to hit Earth for us to see a woman in F1 in the next five years but we'll leave that for another day he also said how we will start seeing results thanks to the plans that they have in place so that we'll see more women in Formula 2 and Formula 3. 
So you're telling me that they have these plans, but then the W series is cancelled. It just doesn't add up. And I feel like there needs to be a system for this not to be repeated. It's like for me, what I was thinking of is like... I'm a big fan of football. So if you people watch football, you probably know that in the Premier League, the big clubs in that league, they have to take a portion of money out at the end of the season to help the clubs in the lower leagues to sort of help them get sort of progress. So I feel that these clubs in Formula One, well, teams in Formula One, they need to start having a portion out of their earnings at the end of the season to not only help women, and sort of help them help the W Series survive, but also, for example, help the drivers in F2 and F3 that do not that are not part of um, of an F1 academy, that do not have a sponsor, and that their place is in jeopardy. And especially help to fund the W Series because I'm sorry, how is F1 hosting this event as part of their weekend, but then they are not funding it? for them to finish the season because this is you don't have just one driver or two drivers that have their seats in jeopardy you have all these women that do not have a place to drive and when they tell you that we race as one and we want to give opportunities to everyone well they're not giving those opportunities to women because they don't have anywhere to drive they cannot even start for w series let alone f3 and f2 yeah <laughs> yeah i can't disagree with any of that i mean it's it's not a good look uh Surely F1 has the money. I mean, it has the money to help out the W Series. And considering how important, you know, it makes out as though the W Series is to the future of motorsport and how it, it thinks that that's the case, it just has to back it up now. They have to back it up. It's not going to cost that much money to fund that series. Like we say, there aren't that many races. There is so much money involved in Formula One. They They can do something about it. They just have to choose to do so. Yeah, that's exactly right, James. And it was a tough decision for them. Catherine said that they had to take a pragmatic look at it. And I think the reason why they've taken this decision to cancel the rest of the season is so that they can come back next year and kind of figure out their financial plan and figure out a way to actually make sure that a full season happens. And she is confident that W Series will return in 2023. So fingers crossed that that does happen because these women deserve to be in this championship. This championship deserves to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But let's move on from one ramp-worthy topic straight on to another. Now, if you listened to last week's show, you'll know we recorded it whilst we were waiting for the cost cap news to drop. It never did, with the FIA delaying their announcement until Monday, saying that it was a long and complex process that was ongoing. So around came Monday, and they did make their announcement, but it wasn't that much of an announcement. They basically confirmed what was an open secret in that Red Bull have exceeded the budget cap with what is considered a minor breach, and yes, I'm using air quotes there, of under 5%. Now, they also confirmed that Aston Martin had committed a procedural breach, uh, but that they hadn't overspent. The most important part, the punishments have been delayed again. So it's been pretty frustrating, hasn't it? It has, and you talk about a minor breach. Isn't it something like $7 million? potentially the rebel are potentially over that would be five percent yeah it's... i mean that's that's crazy seven and seven million dollars i mean yeah. wasn't lewis hamilton said in the last couple of races that a three hundred thousand pound floor project could decide a championship and red bull have been found in guilt have been breach of seven million dollars 
I, I will say, I think I've heard 1.8 is started to be bandied about and it, for it to be that specific, it's probably coming from somewhere. But yeah, nonetheless, it doesn't change much. And yeah, it could be up to 7 million for it to still be classed as minor is the most important point. It's mad. It's just crazy. Uh, we And the punishment side of things as well. If if the challenge we've got is is that the FIA haven't really been getting harsh with a lot of a lot of teams this year they've been dishing out very strange penalties as we know and the potential is that they'll just say a reprimand will do which makes a complete mockery of the budget cap in itself you've got the lower teams justifiably saying we need to treat budget cap breaches in the same way that a a technical regulations breach happens if someone decides i don't know to put a huge amount of downforce on their car or take away a part of the floor or something to you know get to give the car a huge advantage it should be treated like that uh i don't know what i don't know what the best scenario is but surely not a reprimand please yeah well this is it uh i've heard a lot of people say are they going to be lenient because it's the first time like no because that's how you set a precedent you know everyone loves to follow precedent we've seen that quite a bit recently in some of the decisions they've quoted precedent this is where you set the precedent you can't be lax or everyone will just start to overspend knowing that all they get is a fine and they've got money to burn because you know that's the whole point of the budget cap uh but yeah i've also seen there's been talk about the it being catering and absences staff absences or sickness that are the reason now that was i believe tweeted by Eric Van Heeren. I think that's how you pronounce it. I've only ever seen it written. I haven't seen it, heard it pronounced. Who is, if we're honest, a Red Bull mouthpiece, basically, on Twitter. Uh, that is the agenda, clearly, that's being pushed. But it just doesn't make sense. Because if you think about... That's like me saying, okay, I've, my monthly budget is £800. And I, I bought a £700 TV, and then I spent £200 on food. So it's the fault of the food. Everything is relative. Like... It's in the budget. Okay, so if you went over, who's to decide that it's that bit that is the bit that's over? It's all in the budget. That means they spent 1.8 million more on designing the car. It They didn't spend... It, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I just don't get how so many people are buying into this agenda. But with it confirmed as a minor breach, the potential penalties would be one or more of the following, just to... Actually clarify, a public reprimand, a deduction of Constructors' Championship points awarded for the championship that took place within the reporting period of the breach, or a deduction of the Drivers' Championship points for the same thing, suspension from one or more stages of a competition or competitions, excluding for the avoidance of doubt the race itself, limitations on ability to conduct aerodynamic or other testing, and or a reduction of the cost cap. What do you guys expect to happen? What do you think should happen? We've heard from James. I'll go to Abby now. Well, the whole delay in announcing the decision kind of seems to me that the FIA are a bit apprehensive and unsure of Red Bull's reaction to what they could potentially give. And I think, yes, it's classed as a minor breach if it's less than 5% and that. But as Matteo Bonosso and Toto Wolff said, that's not a minor breach by any means. That amount of money is not a small amount of money. And they are the only team to have overspent. The only team out of 10 on the grid. How come they've spent so much, but all other nine teams have managed to fit everything into the cost gap? Because it's 
it's ludicrous. It's really, yeah. And with the punishment, if they give a reprimand or just reduce the their points by a couple, I think that's too lenient. There needs to be a consequence of this that is harsh enough that deters everybody from overspending again. Because otherwise, what's the point of the cost cap? Because you could then have teams in the future overspending. Yes, it will breach the rules, but if they only lose 100 points in the Drivers' Championship or the Constructors' Championship, but they've gained like 300 points or something because of breaching it, then it's not going to do anything. Teams will just continue to overspend and go, oh, it's only... Oh, it's not a harsh consequence, a harsh punishment. So it needs to be strong enough to actually deter everyone from making from overspending because otherwise, what is the point? Yeah, I mean, generally it's it's black and white for penalties, isn't it? It's We see that in F1. You know, it was 0.2 millimetres for, for the DRS gap for Lewis in Brazil and it was a disqualification from qualifying. Like, that's... That's black and white. There's no, oh, well, you know, let's put you back one place. It was it was cut and dry. Exactly. So if you overspend, no matter by how much, and you've cheated effectively in the past championship, which can then affect the following championship and the following championship and the following championship, surely a disqualification should happen somewhere. Cheat now, pay later. Well, in a statement, Red Bull said, we note the findings by the FIA of minor overspend breaches of the financial regulations with surprise and disappointment. Our 2021 submission was below the cost cap limit, so we need to carefully review the FIA's findings as our belief remains that the relevant costs are under the 2021 cost cap amount. Despite the conjecture and positioning of others, there is of course a process under the regulations with the FIA, which we will respectfully follow while we consider all the options available to us. A nice little dig there at, at Toto and and Mattia, as you'd expect. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like that that Christian Horner went from not uh, being certain that they were under the limit to being apparently certain where exactly the breach was in catering. I mean, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. 
We're going to take a little break from runs and um, get on with some news. So, unfortunately, the bromance between Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda is coming to an end at the end of 2022 because, finally, Alpine confirmed that Pierre Gasly will be joining their team next year and he will have now to become friends with childhood best friend Esteban Ocon. They have said not to be the bestest of friends throughout their go-karting years. So, yeah, they were sad that because of go-karting, they had a little rift between them. But now Otmar Zofner hopes that they will once again reunite and do not crash in each other in that team's car. And meanwhile, Nick DeVries will replace Pierre Gasly at Alfa Tauri next year. He will finally get himself a Formula One seat, age 27. But while he was away from Formula One, De Vries was busy winning the Season 7 Formula E Championship with Mercedes EQ. And speaking of Formula E, Neo has confirmed their full lineup for Season 9 of the Formula E. So with Sergio Setecamara, today Dan Tixim was confirmed and he'll be enjoying his second season in Formula E with the Anglo-Chinese outlet. However, Oliver Turvey will be leaving the team. He has been with Neo since the beginning of Formula E and their inaugural season. But on the other hand, Sebastian Boemi is confirmed to race with Envision Racing in season nine, as he left Nissan after four years. But Nissan were also among the Formula E news last week because they have confirmed that probably as of 2024, there will be a home race for them as Formula E and the Metropolitan City Government of Tokyo has confirmed that there is an agreement for there to be an EPRI in the Japanese streets. And hopefully it will happen as soon as 2024. Well, that was a lot of information to take in, but it was all very interesting. Uh, I mean, I'll start at the top with what you yeah, brought up first. I think, yeah, uh, I mean, Abby and I, along with Grace, kind of touched on this in, in the race review. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see Gasly and Ocon, as you said, you know, how that, that relationship as teammates develops. We've seen we've seen what happened with Nico and Lewis, but this is kind of starting from the other side. They've already fallen out. So maybe, you know, maybe they'll end up best mates. There's a picture that's been seen, uh, I saw on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, of Ocon and Gasly together posing in the same picture, which I don't think we would have seen a few years ago. Um, You'd like to think they'll bury the hatchet. It just depends how deep the wound is. But if they're going to be working together on Formula One team, as we saw with, as you say, James, with Nico and Lewis, you can't operate long term in that kind of scenario or in any work environment in that kind of uh, in, uh, in that, that sort of relationship there has to be a mutual respect so hopefully they will bury the hatchet we'll see I mean if they already dislike each other then surely the only way to go is up and fix that what once was a friendship but with the DeVries news I'm interested to see how his F1 career will progress and whether he could potentially replace Perez if he retires due to the increasing calendar, um, or Max, because Max has said that he won't be racing until he's 40, like Alonso or Lewis, who said he has another five years. And then back to Formula E, lots of different driver movements and signings this come, like this past week and that, that was a lot of news, as James said. And Tictum said that the car for Gen 3 is a big step forward from Gen 2, but he's really excited to drive it. So I'm really excited to see the Gen 3 movement, the Gen 3 era of Formula E, especially if they do go to Tokyo, like you said, Catherine. Hopefully that does happen soon because I think a street race for Formula E in Tokyo would be amazing. Well, yeah, um, 
we had Lucas Degrassi on the podcast. We were fortunate enough to do so. And he was also very complimentary about the, the Gen 3 cars that he tested. He gave a very in-depth uh, description of the differences. And I mean, he referred to himself as well as a, as a Formula nerd. Uh, so yeah, be sure to go and check that out if you've uh, got 10 minutes to spare or an hour to spare to listen to the whole thing because it was all good stuff. But yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a big jump because you know, the, there is such a, a potential in this technology. It's all still so new and you saw a huge difference from Gen 1 to Gen 2. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be really fascinating to see where it goes from here. Well, so well we can now go from Tokyo, Japan back to Suzuka uh, for, for, for last week. So and talk about the rather strange scenario we had, well, not strange, a whole horrible scenario we had of a truck on the racetrack in soaking wet conditions when drivers couldn't see anything. Now, it's garnered a lot of, should we say, criticism, to put it very, very mildly, from drivers, from teams, from team principals, from pundits. Uh, we've heard from just about every driver uh, so far, the most vocal being Checo Perez, Lando Norris, George Russell, and Sebastian Vettel. But what really struck me about all of their remarks was the same thing. They all mentioned Jules Bianchi, who died at that track after hitting a recovery truck. And I'm sure I don't need to mention this to, to a lot of Formula, a fellow Formula nerds, but the, the virtual safety car and the halo exist because of his accident all those years ago, you know, in 2014. And Formula One, unfortunately, has got a history of when it comes to Suzuka now, and not just 2014, there was another accident, non-fatal, thankfully, but Martin Brundle was talking about it on Sky Sports Energy for Monday. Uh, I watched that race live at the age of six. That's going to make me feel very old in front of uh, Catherine and Nabby, but never mind. Um, but it was a horrible crash where Martin Brundle went off in very similar to, in very similar conditions, if not slightly worse, where he didn't he missed the truck by millimeters apparently, but he hit a marshal who broke his leg um, without getting too graphic. Apparently, the bone was coming through his skin. It was the damage that he did because he hit his cockpit. And we seem to be in this very strange scenario where F1 says, okay, well, it was in the regulations that we had to have that. There was a safety car out. The race was neutralized. So it didn't really matter that it, that it was out there. I call rubbish on that. <laughs> Sorry to say. And uh, we've got George Russell openly now saying, why can't we just if uh, have the scenario where if you need a truck on the circuit, red flag it. To me, that makes total sense. Um, and the last point I would also have as well is we do have a fellow... Uh, Marshall in our ranks, Tennisher, uh, who was writing to us this afternoon on our Slack, who was saying that she had a, she examined the footage and she does think Gasly was going too fast through that through that section when when he was when he missed the Marshall by a few centimeters. So that's interesting feedback that we need to hear for sure. But in terms of tractors on a set, tractors on a track when there's a safety car out, what do we think, guys? Should we just do George Russell's way and just just red flag the race and just get it removed, particularly when it's wet? I agree with George Russell. It's just, I think that should be the logical way of thinking. I don't think that it's any rocket science. If you have cars and it's raining and the cars can be going at any speed, do you think that's really safe to have a tractor out there and just, you know, just have them go strolling around it? It's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's dangerous. And it is so disrespectful how they added 20 seconds to Pierre Gasly. At least just be like, we think that you were going too fast and that's it. You don't have to agree with him if you want to keep that opinion. But 
do not be disrespectful of adding 20 seconds, especially when you know what happened in 2014 and how that may affect some drivers. Because even if you see Charles Leclerc and how they were asking him about it, I mean, this guy was almost related to him. He was his godfather, you know, so just show some respect to people that have lost loved ones. And on that note, yeah, I mean, Jules Bianchi's father came out on Instagram and said that the decision to send the recovery vehicle out on track showed no respect to the drivers and no respect to the memory of his son. I mean, you, you can't get much closer to closer to things than that, really. Exactly. And it's, it is really silly at the end of the day, like how have F1 not learned from past mistakes? They've seen this happen before. They know the dangers of it. So why risk it? If you're going to red flag the race anyway, why not wait until all the cars are collected safely behind the safety car and not trying to catch up with it or are already in the pits? And to throw in a bit of history, which I wasn't actually alive for, so I hope this is correct. But in 1998 at the German Grand Prix, Brundle referenced it and he said, if one car can make it into the tractor, all the cars can make it that far. It's not a one-off. It's anything can happen. I know, James, we touched on it during the race of you. If suddenly there's a failure or if the driver gets cramp or there was debris still on the track and Albon's car was out there at some point as well, anything can happen. So it's not just down to the driver. If something happens that they can't control, then it is seriously really dangerous. So F1 do need to look at this because why risk it? Why risk the driver's lives? They already risk enough. So why risk it anymore? It's the same thing you said, James. It's it's the precedent, as well as you have as well. It's the precedent that has been set, and it's in the rules that that's what needs to happen. Uh, that you can send a recovery truck out, but I, I just don't understand why common sense hasn't prevailed, as well as history that's taught us that these incidents will happen, can happen, and they have happened. Um, and to your point, Catherine, as well, it, it, they they did they would they initially made Pierre Gasly the scapegoat by adding that 20 seconds onto his time, which I agree was incredibly harsh. There is no, there's no doubting he was going too fast. We have to admit, we have to accept, accept that. But he was good, but you cannot add 20 seconds onto someone's time. And it was only after, as I said, drivers, team principals, pundits, and fans all questioned the, 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 the logic of the decision that they said, oh, okay, let's launch an investigation now. It, it, just, it just, again, just stinks of incompetence and the inability to think on your feet. And, and I know that we are armchair fans, we're sad at horror, we're not in race control, but common sense should dictate to you if you've got, if you're at a track where someone has effectively been killed and you are, you've got, a, in the same conditions you want to put a recovery track on the circuit, red flag the, the race first, for goodness sake, surely. Common sense, people. And just a quick one before like, we leave. It's just for me, I think that they should really look with the Japanese authorities that host this race and just start hosting it in April like F1 wanted to. Because I'm sorry, but you're hosting it in a time when it's always raining because it's the main weather at that time for them. And you have fans coming to the track, delaying the race. So disrespectful for them to be out there um, getting wet like that. And it's just, it's not really working out for anyone, is it? It's just always adding more controversy and it's just making the sport look bad, in my opinion. We'll see what comes of this investigation. Uh, it's genuinely, if they don't 
take responsibility for this, it could be the final straw for me as an F1 fan. That's not hyperbole. I, I've had to work hard to fall back in love with F1 this year after Abu Dhabi, and they've made it very difficult at various points. I think the the outcome of both the cost cap and this investigation into the recovery vehicle could genuinely decide whether I'm not going to. I'm not saying I'm never going to watch F1 again. I'm just saying I don't think I'll devote quite as much of my life to it as I do currently. But on that bombshell, uh, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you for joining us. Be sure to head over to formulanerds.com to check out the latest news. And of course, on all your usual social platforms. Thank you all for joining me. Make it quick because we've uh, got very little time left. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Come back next week for some more. But I will not be here next week. It will be Sam, who should hopefully be back for his birthday show. Well, I'm shell-shocked that you won't be joining us, Abby, because that is a very rare occurrence. But a birthday party for Sam sounds like a pretty good day. So, yeah, be sure to join us there. Uh, And until then, it's lights out, mics off, and we go. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.